Welcome everyone to the EOS Fireside Chat for November 23rd. We got a big show for you today, lots of topics to discuss uh, and lots of uh, special guests that are going to be on today. We, we'll have uh, Mark uh, from uh, his accounting project, which won uh, first place in the Ideathon, also a grant in Pomelo. We'll be hearing from Mark. Uh, we'll be hearing from Rhett from Zaisan, give some updates on the recent conferences that he's been attending on behalf of the EOS Network Foundation and the EOS community. Uh, we'll be sharing a bit of information about other winners from the Ideathon. We'll also be talking about Pomelo, big week for Pomelo. Of course, today donations are open and uh, lots more to talk about Pomelo. Uh, I'll be announcing the second EOS Community Poker Tournament. It's going to be on Sunday, December 18th. Uh, we're also talking about an update on Atomic Hub with some unlockable content, which is very exciting. Uh, why not talk about FIFA as well? Of course, FIFA just started uh, this week. Canada is playing right now, actually. Um, and then we have Vlad from EOS ETF that's going to be talking about his project and uh, give some uh, updates about DeFi Box's Vault product that was released uh, this week. All right. So for those of you who don't know, EOS is a layer one smart contract platform that is governed by its community. It's the only crypto that has had a foundation emerge organically from within the community years after the launch of the network. Since the creation of the EOS Network Foundation one year ago, the new EOS has seen an incredible acceleration of progress and innovation. The EOS Network Foundation has built an excellent team that's been able to quickly establish essential frameworks that empower the EOS community to do its best work and live its best life through foundational initiatives like the Recognition Grants, the Blue Paper Research Series, the Pomelo Crowdfunding Platform, the Direct Investment Framework, and the ongoing EOS Roadshow the community has been activated and energized to levels not seen since the launch of the network. Many of these initiatives are starting to blossom, such as the recent success of Recover Plus, the ongoing promotions surrounding Yield Plus and the many DeFi protocols that are taking advantage of it, and of course the launch of Pomelo Season 4, which has been very successful and very engaged so far. EOS is in the midst of an epic narrative reversal, and the new EOS has the potential to become the greatest crypto comeback story of all time. My name is Stefan. I'm one of the co-founders of EOS Nation, currently a top-ranked block producer on EOS and other antelope chains, and I'm happy and honored to be your host for today. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. We've already got over 40 people in the chat live with us on Discord. That's great to see. If you're here on Discord, we invite you to share your thoughts, comments, questions, join us live on air, share your thoughts in the text chat uh, in, the, in this channel. And shout out to everyone listening on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, whether it's live or on the replay. We appreciate you watching the Fireside. We appreciate you being engaged in the EOS community. And we invite you to join the Discord server so you can get in here with us live in the action on Discord. Uh, today we'll be off, obviously talking about EOS, but also the Antelope ecosystem. Antelope is the name for the community-owned blockchain software that powers a variety of highly performing blockchain networks, such as EOS, Telos, Wax, UX, and many others. All right, before we get into the good stuff, a bit of housekeeping. A reminder to state your name when jumping on the mic. Helps, uh, helps everyone kind of be more aware of who's talking. Uh, of course, we love it when you share pics and memes in the text chat. Also, if you can't join us uh, on, on air on the mic, Feel free to leave your questions in the text chat uh, and we'll 
address uh, address them during the show. Uh, like every week, we've got the Pop Token giveaway, which you can claim in the Pop Bot chat. And also a reminder that our road to 10k promotion is still ongoing, so you can create your customized Discord server invite link and invite your friends to the server and earn some EOS and NFT prizes for doing so. So we're up to 6,362 members in the server, well on our way to the next milestone of 7,000 members. All right, so let's get this show started with some special guests. Uh, so first of all, I'd like to invite Mark to join me up on stage and talk about his recent project that won first place in the EVM Ideathon hackathon that wrapped up uh, not too long ago. Mark, Just welcome to the fireside. Yeah, thank you. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, you know me as Mark Stare of the Tippet team, and uh, I'm going to talk about something a little bit different today as the Ideathon. But to give you a little backstory, uh, Tippet, Tippet um, is sort of a sister company to our other company called High Five Software, which has uh, been uh, syncing with QuickBook Solutions. We uh, we provide a service management software so and work with small businesses. And um, we were able to do Tippet as sort of a side project to our main business, and it was able to fund the developers, uh, Tippet. And Tippett's idea was just to get uh, people involved in crypto in the easiest possible way. And uh, I would say we were successful with that. And, uh, you know, we go through our bear markets like we are now. But uh, there was a time when we had uh, uh, this Trios token, which had all these people from Africa and all over the world uh, dealing with that. And I hope that uh, spurs up again in, in the future. But uh, we also, you also know us as um, we, we worked with the bees to get them bootstrapped on their um, campaigns uh, for sending out the tokens. And since then, they've uh, been developing that internally. But we got them going uh, initially for the bee swarms. And with working with Jesse, one of the things I asked him was, were, you know, how do you handle your accounting and stuff? And he said, uh, if you've got a solution, let us know. Uh, so that kind of planted the seed in me. And um, uh, when the Adiathon was coming around, uh, I, just, I just went on and on trying to think of the right idea with the right timing needed for the market. And uh, I, I struggled the whole time. And the Adiathon was due at like midnight Sunday. And finally, this idea came, came to me around 3 p.m. I whipped together the presentation, did two cuts of the, the YouTube video. The first one was a little too long and then released it. And after I got that idea out there, uh, it started percolating in my head and I started getting more and more excited about it. And then we did the uh, presentation uh, for we were the one of the top three winners of the Web three, and um, I listened to a couple other of the presentations, and they were uh, a lot of tough questions like how does it relate to EOS, and 
you know, how does it work and things like that. But for my idea, the judges said, wow, what a great idea. And Nathan James said, oh, I needed that for my previous company. And uh, Stefan recently said uh, his CFO uh, wants a solution too. So uh, the idea here is like in Tippet, we wanted to bring in the, the users under the crypto. Now we want to bring in small businesses and, and support small businesses because we think that's a missing piece is that you need to be able to do good accounting so you can handle your sales taxes, your income taxes, and things like that. And it's kind of difficult today to translate, let's say if you get paid on Pomelo uh, or something uh, for a grant, and uh, you need to convert that EOS to your base currency. And I'll just use USD as the base currency that most people use. So our idea is to be able to create a framework that allows uh, syncing between the EOS blockchain and others, uh, all the antelope blockchains. The way we did tip it is uh, that we were, were able to add new EOS uh, antelope type black blockchains very easily. So we're going to continue that on. But we're going to start with EOS. And uh, the first thing in accounting is what you have is partner accounts. So QuickBooks typically uses customers, suppliers, you know, subcontractors and employees. But we're going to combine that as partner accounts. Each partner account is where you set up the the EOS accounts that are related to each partner. So uh, maybe I'll I'll have a uh, partner account for uh just general like our company which is tippet manager where we get our pomelo funds that i'll be able to track and uh see all the transactions going to that and also all the other partners and the idea is to be able to uh use a price oracle make sure that you get the eos to usd pricing exactly right at the exact right timing and then take that information every time there's a transaction and put it into your QuickBook Online accounting. So we're really, our High Five software company is really experienced with syncing with QuickBooks and QuickBook Online and QuickBook Time and things like that. So we're gonna take that experience and do that syncing. And we're gonna start out with QuickBook Online because that's kind of where Intuit is going. Uh, we, also, we also support QuickBook Desktop on our service management. But for this one, we think QuickBook Online will meet the needs. They also have a real good marketplace for publishing your ideas. And uh, there's about three other accounting solutions but uh, in that marketplace of QuickBook Online. But none of them are related to Antelope or EOS. So we'll be able to do that. Now, um, once you have the transactions into the system, then you'll be able to sync those with QuickBook Online. But we want to extend that even further and make a framework so other developers can also build different modules uh, for the syncing tool. Uh, some obvious ones that are needed right away is a point of service, point of point of sale POS type solution. So that um, you could have merchants, for example, let's say Let's say one of the EOS bees makes money, you know, with the, the bees thing. 
and they also own a hot dog stand in Africa or something like that. But we want to provide a uh, point of sale solution where they'd be able to uh, take the EOS uh, directly or even uh, pay their suppliers in EOS. And keep in mind, when I say EOS, I mean any of the tokens could be USDT or anything that's on EOS as well. Like like Tippet right now supports about 80 different tokens. So whichever tokens they want, you could do that, convert it to the USD or whatever your base currency and sync that with QuickBook Online. Um, so what we want to achieve uh, through this idea is to be able to uh, get the full... Right now, I think crypto is really limited to investing, speculation, and things like that. But we need to get to the point where we're earning, like USBs is one way, Pomelo is another way, uh, and also be able to spend your EOS directly without switching to fiat. So you'd be able to go to a hot dog stand and you know buy a, buy a hot dog or whatever. Uh, employees being able to take uh, their their salary and USDT or on EOS and things like that. So um, it's fairly simple uh, idea at the high level. Um, we've already been doing some of this uh, work. We ha we one of the first things we did was tip it pay, where you can send out an invoice from your accounting solution and allow people to pay in um, uh, EOS or or uh, EOS tokens or we're also going to allow uh, to be able to take the payment in credit card or ACH as well. And if we do this, and we also show to the customer or make the customer pay for the transaction, here's what it would look like is, is if you pay in, in a credit card, the merchant has to pay or you, you know, the end customer has to pay three to 5%. I actually pay up to 5% by the time uh, add in the PCI fees and all those junk fees that my credit card company adds on. It's very expensive for small businesses for that. But if we look at the EOS, taking the EOS or USDT on the EOS, you guys know, first of all, it gets into your account at half a second versus three days from a credit card. The returns in credit cards are horrible, like a customer could have no reason for a return and get that money right out of your account. Uh, and the, the fees are, are close to zero for running EOS. So just imagine being able to give small businesses three to 5% more income to their bottom line and instant money into their, their accounts. I think this could be great for the whole ecosystem and i think the timing is is ready i've been getting great feedback um the uh, vincent i think is on the line is look at, looking for something like this they're using quickbook online nathan james mentioned it as well uh jesse and things like that so um we're we're currently we've got we got a, a bit of money from the idea found six thousand dollars uh, which which uh, kind of will help us get going. We also put in a ENF grant, and um, whether that comes from the ENF or the vent new venture fund, the 68 million tokens. Either way, I'd really like to see this idea get uh, funded properly. And um, 
and get out into the market. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Any questions? Um, what's your email so that we can reach out and discuss further? Uh, my email is marks at tippet.io. And I could put that in the uh, chat here too. Thanks. And I see that Daniel Keys shared uh, your Pomelo grant here in the chat as well. So if you guys want. I knew Vincent would be interested. While I was reviewing that grant at Pomelo, I, I pinged Mark saying, oh man, our CFO is going to love this. Yeah, for sure. If we can facilitate the extraction and bring that to QuickBooks directly, I think this is a big need, and especially for all businesses using crypto. And like you said, Mark, uh, people that uh, want to transact uh, and then for point of sale or anything, then to have an easy solution to to extract the data and, and bring that directly into accounting software, I think that's a, a good step for adoption of, of crypto. Yeah, and, and even getting the Pomelo grant um, into account, uh, I, I I didn't really pay attention to how the taxes are going to work for that, and uh, I was thinking that I could just go back. Uh, we got a Telos grant uh, maybe three years ago, and now I have to go back and find out what was the price of Telos when I got that grant. It's not as easy as you think. So, anyways, that that information would be in the system, and immediately uh, know the amount. So. Uh, Hopefully taxes and everything will be uh, better. All right, good stuff. Um, okay, thanks, thanks, Mark, for uh, joining us on the fireside today and sharing some updates about your project. Love to see you getting some recognition in the Ideathon. And I'm sure you'll get some recognition through Pomelo as well. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, Sapiens ask, how do I know who is speaking in here? Well, if you're in Discord on the left-hand side, you'll see a little green green circle around the icon for some for the people who are speaking. But it's also a good idea for all the speakers to introduce themselves when they're speaking. Uh, right now, Stefan is speaking. I'm the host of the hot sauce, and but we'll have a bunch of guests on today. So that's a good reminder for people uh, to clearly state their names and maybe the team they work with when they come on. All right. Um, I guess in the same vein of as the Ideathon, maybe um, Chris Barnes wants to join us on stage here and give a bit of a roundup for, ide for the Ideathon, which wrapped up uh, last week. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Steph. Uh, everyone, my name is Chris Barnes. Um, and so we had the final Ideathon live event on the 14th. So that went really well. I'm going to put the link to that live full ceremony was there. It was three hours and 20 minutes. It as a live event, it was very nerve. We weren't sure how it was going to go because, you know, anything live um, as we had an effort to do it live that uh, we thought it might blow up just because of having to organize all the different um, projects to come in and then pitch live. And it ended up out of 15 live presentations for the Ideathon, only one we couldn't get onto the stream because they had uh, bandwidth issues. So really surprisingly worked out incredibly well. Um, 
if for those who want to like, so that link it's, it's long, but at the very beginning, basically that's all of the live idea thon pitches. So if the first hour and a half is basically all of those. So if you're curious to see Mark's pitch, for example, who just came on, did a great job. Um, he was one of them. And uh, also just to round up the winners of the five idea thon categories we had on the DeFi category was real lot by Phoenix, who is a very active participant in the community. He's often on these chats. So he did a great job. And that was the DeFi um, topic. Then we had Social Good, and that was owned by Jun. And his project was the EOS Community Key Recovery, also a very active uh, and engaged Eden member and EOS Community member. And then we had for Gov3, we had someone new to the community that uh, I had not seen. His name was Bob, and he did Robert's Rules on Chain, um, which is pretty cool. Basically, he did bringing uh, the sort of rules, uh, Robert's Rules for doing a meeting, basically quorum and, and how you organize a meeting, but bringing those bits on chain. So that was kind of neat to see uh, someone new to the ecosystem bring a project and also then win. Then in the GameFi category, we had uh, Marketing on Antelope, and that was uh, won by Alfredo from the Hoken Tech team, also very engaged in the community. And then lastly, Mark Stair with uh, Small Business Accounting. He's told us all about it, and he won the Web3 category. Um, generally, we really saw a lot of applicants in the Web3 that um, when we were deciding what categories to do for the Ideathon, that was one of the ones on the fence that um, what wasn't necessarily uh, that we didn't want to have that one. But then the idea that we wanted to have a really generic and broad category to bring as many possible entrants as we could. And it turned out that was the case. We had um, almost 40% of the total submissions were to the Web3 category, where GameFi actually had probably the least participation. And I think because GameFi is a harder thing for folks to get our heads around when we're trying to think about what works, what is GameFi and what kind of projects around there, I'm assuming anyway, but that had the, the least amount of engagement. Um, and then a pretty good number for DeFi, Social Good, and Gov3 as well. So uh, when it comes to future events, I think it would be really interesting to see what comes. I'm going to be creating a summary sort of of the process because this was a community-led initiative. In fact, Phoenix, who won the DeFi uh, spot with Reallot, he's the one who started this whole thing with the community. He had a channel and Discord here, and he worked out a whole, really did an excellent job of building the foundation. Um, and he got tied up. And so Helios and myself, we kind of jumped in and helped finish it off. And that whole process, I'm going to do a full summary of what we did, what are the steps, what, do, what does everyone need to consider if you're going to run your own event like this. And hopefully we see this sort of picked up again by anyone who's willing to do it. And now you'll have a bit of a, a template that you can follow so you don't have to try to wing it like, uh, like I did, <laughs> or we did, I should say. So um, yeah, so that worked out really well. I definitely encourage folks to check out the, the live final showing. And then if you're curious of all the workshops, there was a series of workshops that led into that. Those are also, uh, if you chase that uh, video into the Helios uh, playlist, you'll find a bunch of other videos about um, basically how to create an idea and what to do when you need to make a pitch for a pitch deck. So yeah, thanks everyone for participating. Really great uh, engagement during the live event also for all of those that watched. Uh, really appreciate it. There was a lot of live watchers and that was kind of encouraging to know that we weren't uh, we weren't wasting our time and people really enjoyed it. So, so that was cool. So thank you for that. And uh, thanks to all the participants and to those who didn't win, um, you know, don't uh, don't give up on the idea. There was some stiff competition there for sure. And uh, I know a lot of people didn't quite get their ideas in submitted on time. Like there was definitely a, a rush at the end. So, uh, you know, don't uh, maybe think about Pomelo as a place to follow up with your idea and to get some exposure on it, because there's definitely some merit, I'm sure, to a lot of these projects that didn't uh, didn't win a prize or just didn't get submitted. So, uh, yeah, so that's the update.
All right, great. Thanks for the update, uh, Chris. And uh, yeah, you, you provided some fantastic updates every week on the Fireside. I appreciate that. Uh, you did a really good job. So congratulations to you and, and the whole team at Helios and everyone else who was involved in uh, planning, creating, and participating in this event. Um, yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by how, how well it all, it all came together. So that was great. All right. Uh, anyone, anyone else wanted to share maybe some thoughts if you guys participated or you watched a show? I'm going to give it a few moments here. If anyone wants to jump in, share some comments. Uh, uh, this is Andrew. This is Drew Block. Just wanted to uh, just uh, give a shout out to the uh, Ideathon for being such a cool idea and, and bringing so many people from the EOS ecosystem kind of into the kind of Biddle ecosystem, if you will. It's uh, much appreciated. It was a lot of fun uh, kind of trying to, uh, on a time crunch, come up with an idea and try and uh, flesh it out as much as possible. So I, I hope you got more coming. Well, thanks, Drew. <clears throat> one of the questions, Chris Barnes again, one of the questions that I'd um, like to know from the community, first of all, what could we have done better? Like it definitely feedback and my DMs are all open. So if you don't want to speak up here, by all means, um, PM me and because I'll include that in the write up for other folks to then follow, uh, whether we do um, like myself and Helios or whatever, do another one of these or not. But also what categories should we have done? That was one of the kind of challenges is what what are the categories we should try to do an ideathon around? I'd be curious to know. So there's other categories that people think would have been good that they had an idea for, but didn't see a category for it. Uh, this is Andrew again. Um, just as far as what, what I can think of immediately, I, I feel like the kind of strict um, adherence to categories um, sort of allowed certain um, categories with very few entrants to um, kind of have a, a a different level of completeness or whatever you want to call it compared to the uh, larger categories. So I don't exactly know what the solution is to that, but just a little bit of feedback. All right, great. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for uh, for jumping in here. Um, all right, moving on to uh, our next guest. At this point, I'd like to invite Rep from Zysan to come talk to us about uh, the recent conferences that, that you guys have been doing. Thank you. Thank you uh, for allowing me to update everybody a little bit. Um, I sure try to. Yeah, thank you. So I try to be here every week, but if I'm not, then. Typically, I'm traveling or there's some logistics going on. Um, so, Red from Zyzon. Um, Zyzon is the name of the company behind the Europe chain. And the Europe chain was spun up by block producers from Europe. So, that's Crypt Alliance, EOS Amsterdam that I founded, uh, EOS Dublin, EOS Barcelona and Dutch EOS, uh, they are not so active anymore. They only are active on, on Telos. Um, so what did we do? Uh, 
for if you want to have the full schedule. There's a, a great uh, YouTube movie about uh, that uh, that I, I think it's almost 15 minutes of me rattling on on everything that we're planning to do. Uh, we've done now 10 events. There's still one to go. Uh, TechX in London, December 1st and December 2nd. And then the schedule for this year is done. Uh, we're working on a schedule for next year um, due to the token price. It will be not as intensive as uh, what we've done up to, up to now, but we try to do as many as possible. One of the very, very, very big advantage uh, of doing this roadshow is that we learned, learned so much on basically what's going on in Web3 in blockchain uh, as, now let, let me start with this web3 word uh, the fact that it's not not called blockchain anymore but web3 is uh, such a game changer uh, the fact that we were talking about a very technical word blockchain um, made it yeah made it made it for a lot of people that is this going to happen or not now we're talking about web3 it's just such a logical move from Web 2 to Web 2 to Web 3. And that creates so much market positivity. Um, although the market it can be very difficult at the moment. There's uh, FTX, FTX, one of, the, one of the trade shows that we did, FTX was live. Basically, it was imploding while we were at the booth, but it didn't change the energy at the trade show everybody was if you came in my, i wasn't there but my colleagues told me if you came in the bitcoin price was the first thing that you saw when you moved in and uh it didn't change the energy in the in 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 the space in the in the trade show everybody was extremely positive whether it's uh, spain the netherlands uk dubai everywhere the energy is is very positive um, clearly, the market is, is becoming a lot more mature. Um, the startup projects that came by are, are just more serious. They understand more what is possible. Uh, the enterprises are not just tipping their toe in the water. They are really looking into projects where um, they, they understand blockchain. They understand what they can do with it. And they really want to build something that aligns with that. Uh, there were also a lot of Web2 companies that were thinking about how to expand their current Web2 solution uh, to a Web3 solution with, with DAO structures and Gamify, etc., etc. Um, blockchain as a backend technology is, is, is clearly established in the tech world. Uh, I think almost everybody pretty well understood what you could do with it. Um, in Web Summit, GTAX and DMEXCO, uh, there were dedicated Web3 areas and dedicated Web3 stages. Especially Web Summit was like 75% about Web3. Uh, there, I saw some very good panels with uh, with people from Alien Worlds, for example, talking about what Gamify could mean, how we could open up uh, 
a game where several companies could, could work on one uh, open world, that sort of thing. Uh, so that, yes, there was in general a lot of excitement around Gamify. That clearly looks to be the, the, the next hype in, uh, in, in, in Web3. I would also say like things like regulations and KYC wasn't a dirty word anymore. Uh, it feels like it's inevitable, uh, especially with, with what's going on now again with centralized exchanges. Um, and that could really push mass adoption more forward. In the last three months, Mika, uh, the Mika text, that's the European uh, regulations, um, have been final, have been made final. So we have the official text now, so we can, we can talk about that now to, to, to people. So overall, yeah, the Web3 um, web word change is, 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 I think, very, very positive. Um, you could say that in the different regions, blockchain is maturing in a different pace. Um, in the Middle East, especially Dubai, um, it's on fire, I would say. Very close to our booth was, a, um, was an event organized by somebody that I, that I also know. He got 90 uh, venture capital funds, family offices, investors in general together. All of them were pitching who they were and what kind of projects that they were investing in. And around that area were startups and others listening to the pitches of these, startup, of these investors. Uh, there were 90 of them and, and that was in Dubai. And the web summit was like two weeks later in Lisbon and many of them uh, traveled to Lisbon. And the same event was organized again uh, in Lisbon, and there were like 110 people, the same, uh, partly the same people from Dubai. So Dubai was basically dominating the event in Lisbon with uh, a lot of family officers and a lot of uh, investors from the Middle East coming to Web Summit to, to, to meet the Web3 community. Um, if you talk to people, there's still a lot of question marks on certain technical areas like user onboarding still a big priority and 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 not smooth enough enough so a lot of people are still realizing that there's a, stu a lot of building that needs to be uh, happening before we have a really smooth experience and in general everybody's basically waiting for this killer app that gets millions of users to this web, te web 3 technology. But because you see so many people coming in, it's like, uh, like I said, it's not a discussion anymore. It's going to happen. So all the entrepreneurs are looking at, okay, what can I do with this? Which building blocks are already there? How I can build on top of this? So uh, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, we added over 1,500 uh, people in the, into the database. We're working uh, this week and next week on like a bigger evaluation. What I just gave you was like a, my personal impressions, just the first things that, that, I, that, I, that I think of. Uh, but yeah, that is basically uh, 
the first be feedback I would say I would share with, uh, with this community. Uh, at the end, I would say, yeah, very, very, very enthusiastic atmosphere in, in, in all those trade shows. So let me see any questions in the chat. Anybody? Yeah, other regions. Um, it's not for me to announce, but uh, my impression was that they are working on expanding the program that we uh, we started. That was also one of the uh, deliverables of what we have been making. Uh, so we've made a magazine, for example, that we gave out at, uh, it wasn't finished at the first trade shows, but at the last ones, we had a magazine that we gave out. It's not online available. We still want to improve a little bit on it before we, we share it with everybody. And uh, yeah, if they want to do it for South America, translate it uh, to Spanish and you have a magazine. Um, so yeah, very likely, but it's all out, all up for, 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 for ENF to announce that they will expand this program in other continents. Uh, we have basically um, made all the materials uh, so somebody else could pick it up and, and ran, ran with it. Uh, there's like uh, guidance documents, how to run a trade show, uh, frequently asked questions list. Uh, there's been a lot, a lot of preparations to get the messaging on the booth identical. You don't want if you have a difficult question about what is the relationship with block one, then everybody should answer identical questions at the end and give the same answer. So that, that's what we've prepped a lot. So that's what we've done. Excellent, thank you, Red, uh, for all the, the great work and for giving us a nice update today. Anyone else in the chat here have some co comments or questions for Rep? This is the time to ask them. Uh, this is Andrew. I just wanted to request uh, that uh, if if he's got a link to it, if uh, Rep could share the uh, the video he was talking about earlier, that'd be awesome to see. Let me quick. Let me Google that. I'll post it if I find it quickly. Thanks. It was a fire chat uh, event. Great question, Andrew, and thanks again for participating and asking questions. That's great. Found it. I'll share it in the chat now. So that's the full program. There we go. All right, thank you. Thank you, Rhett. And uh, I look forward to hearing you again on some future Firesides. Thank you. All right, so let's move on to our third special guest of the day. At this point, I'd like to invite Vlad from EOS ETF to join me here on stage and talk about his project. Thank you. 
Can you hear me well? Yeah, coming in loud and clear, Vlad. Welcome to the fireside. Nice. So, greetings, everyone. I'm Vlad, one of the developers of CTF. Um, I'm fairly happy to give the update because we've been working on it for quite some time. So, in simple terms, CTF is a protocol that enables to put many tokens into one token. Essentially, it enables to create and manage on-chain investment funds. The first fund that we created is called EOS ETF. And uh, right now it consists of 14 different mainnet tokens. So investors who would like to get exposure to the best projects on EOS can do so by simply owning one token. One pretty cool feature of the EOS ETF is the rebalancing function. Through an UI, fund managers are able to submit votes that determine the allocation of the funds of the tokens in the fund. So based on the aggregate votes of all the fund managers, the function automatically does the trades through the DeFi box and rebalances the fund. Uh, right now we are looking for additional fund managers. If you are active in EOS and are interested in managing the fund, uh, please do let us know in our Telegram chat. Uh, there is a solid incentive for fund managers. And uh, this year we'll be deploying a fund to VAX and Telos as well. Those funds will resemble more of a hedge fund structure. And the idea for the next iteration is to build a solution through which anybody could easily set up their own customized investment fund. Uh, thanks to the upcoming bridges, assets of other chains could be used in funds on EOS. So asset management protocol could potentially bring lots of liquidity to EOS. Uh, if this all sounds interesting to you, there is a way how you can become a large stakeholder of the project by providing liquidity to the fund on DeFi box. I will uh, drop the links with all the info in the chat. And to wrap it up, I'd mentioned that EOS ETF is under multisig, but the contracts are not audited yet. So I'd use it with caution. Uh, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them now or in our Telegram chat. Awesome. I shared some uh, some screenshots of, of the website right now. It looks really good. Um, so you say you're looking for more fund managers. Uh, so, so if I understand correctly, uh, anyone can create their own fund on this site with the custom allocation that they desire? Uh, right now, it's fairly difficult. So all the code is open source and anybody can take that code and uh, spin up their own fund. But um, that's the idea for the next iteration. 
to enable anyone to create easily. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. Very cool. Um, I know Vincent, our, our, our CFO here at EOS Nation, very big fan of a lot of EOS tokens. So I wanted to, I invited him on the fireside to make sure he was attending this presentation. Lots of, lots of good content for Vincent today on the fireside. Uh, but yeah, that's great, Vlad. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us on the fireside. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing uh, all those links. We've got a Telegram channel, we've got some Medium articles, and, and the website, of course. Yep, thank you. I see that Jesse asked a question. Um, uh, so the votes are way that uh, it takes the average. It, uh, each fund manager votes, and then the average of all the votes uh, is taken. So it's an aggregate. And uh, uh, token weighted. So each each uh, fund manager just has 100 units. So you could say like 100 tokens, 100% that he has to allocate. And then the average is taken. And how does one become a fund manager? Do they need to apply directly with you guys? Uh, yep. So since the contract is under multisig, the individuals in multisig have to uh, whitelist an account. And the cool thing is that you can be anonymous as a fund manager or pseudonymous. And who is currently on this multisig uh, that controls this contract? Uh, there's uh, five individuals. So me, uh, Lennar, who is another developer. Then there is uh, Cheney Moore, um, uh, Matthias from Zios, and uh, Alfredo from the Hokentech. And also uh, uh, one uh, Bastian, uh, also Eden member. All right, and and so right now you guys are looking for additional fund managers to join this team of people who get to vote on the allocation of the portfolio. That's correct. Yep, yep, exactly. You said there were some interesting incentives for fund managers. Do you want to talk a bit about those? Uh, yes, so there's just going to be a fixed um, issuance of our main utility token, which is CTF. Um, the CTF token enables to claim the fees that uh, the fund generates. So it's sort of a dividend token. And uh, yes, the fund managers will just each month will receive a fixed amount of that token. And quite a big amount. And uh, with this CTF token, uh, in the future, you will be able to claim uh, the fees of all the funds. So not only from the EOS CTF, part of the fees from all the funds will flow to the CTF stakers. All right. Thank you for uh yeah thank you for answering that question 
And uh, yeah, good job on uh, creating this project. How long have you guys been work working on this project? Uh, for quite a long time already. We uh, launched the first phase two years ago. And uh, yeah, the last uh, features took us around a year to deliver. All right. Well, good job. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, hearing more updates from you guys in the future. Feel free to reach out to us uh, anytime you want to come on the, the Fireside, share more updates. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Anyone else uh, want to jump in here with some, some comments or questions? I'm going to give it a few moments before we move on to our next topic. Hey everyone, this is Dogman and Singjoy. I just wanted to um, give a shout out to Vlad. Uh, I've been um, following CTF for a while and also working with Vlad on um, on consortium, following his work there. Vlad also developed consortium, which is a great polling and voting app on EOS. And uh, he's also helped a lot with the Eden Fractal smart contracts as well. Um, so I just wanted to say thanks for Vlad. Uh, I don't know if Vlad's spoken on the Fireside Chats much before, but it, it, it's great to hear from you, Vlad, uh, here. And um, thanks, and really excited to see more of the future progress. Good stuff. Thank you, Dogman, uh, for jumping in here. Um, thanks to John from Boyd. Send me a message saying my, my volume was a bit low. I adjusted some settings. Maybe it's better now. Maybe not. Um, we'll see if I can fix that for next Fireside. Uh, hello, Stefan. It's uh, Patrick Novak Crypto. Uh, I, I just want to tell yeah, you, baby, you are... yeah. oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you announced me the last week that we have um, sad news about the um, about the yeah baby. It seems to be that you have uh, again on your soundboard, and I have a sad news for the entire community myself to announce here. Um, I was finding uh, a new name for Nova Crypto. Uh, something more, uh, let's say, fun and professional. And uh, I was discussing that with Dan Sinjoy uh, just after the Eden Fractal today. Uh, by the way, uh, shout out to uh, Vlad also of Eden Fractal. And I was thinking about a new name for uh, Nova Crypto. And I, I read to the conclusion that I have something to announce here. So... Nova Crypto is announcing here a new name that will be a key-led uh, feature of promotion for Nova Crypto. I have to announce a new rebranded name or complementary name that's Pat Novajoy. Because with Pat Novajoy, you will have the best new joy on EOS. It's Novajoy. It's yeah, not Singjoy. It's not uh, Brandon Lovejoy. It's not the Lovejoy. It's not the Singjoy. But it's the Nova Joy. So be prepared uh, for 
Pat Novajoy. And also I announce here that um, December 9 is near the door. That will be the last workshop of the, the season, of the third season. I have a nice panel. I cannot unveil now. I will publish the poster just uh, before the 9th December in time. That will be astonishing interviews, astonishing guests, all about Web 3.0 full spectrum era. And I have nice guests. I, I will not unveil, make your uh, guess, but Pat Joy is born. And uh, yeah, I have a lot of to share, uh, but that will be great for the EOS ecosystem, for Antelope and for everyone. So shout out to everyone. Don't give up. Uh, we are in good uh, position. The price is not uh, perfect, but we are building. We are building education. We are building uh, sharing on, of information, good good marketing. EOSB swarms with comments. Uh, very well done. Um, so we have all into the hands to, to, to do something great into this EOS ecosystem. So don't give up. Go Antelope and go EOS Fireside Chat. Thank you very much. See you. Wow, the lion showed up for that one, Patrick. You know, Patrick, if you're going to use joy, Nova joy, then you've got to get a love joy and a sing joy in one of your oh, shows. Yeah. I think yeah. it's only right. That was inspired by you, uh, Brandon, because I remember you are sometimes uh, sitting uh, beside the fireside. I don't know if it is in the mountain or in a beautiful river or you are uh, meditating sometimes. I remember <laughs> when we did uh, an Eden uh, member call together, you were into a fire. Uh, I remember there was uh, Yves Rose also joining. And uh, I was always thinking, okay, is Lovejoy a real name? Is Sinjoy a, a real name? Uh, <laughs> seems to be that it is a joy name. And I was thinking about Nova Crypto because crypto uh, sometimes that's could make think, uh, oh, this guy is only interested about crypto. No, I am interested about a new way. That's Nova, new way to tokenize and monetize things. And uh, I was thinking, okay, Patrick, Pat, Nova Joy. Yeah, that's uh, that was obvious, but um, until that I was... Uh, sitting with uh, Dancing Joy, Dogman, the best dog in the galaxy. Uh, I was thinking, okay, we are doing it on Fractal. We are fun. We are professional. At the same time, let's do something fun. Like the Yeah Baby. Uh, okay, so Pat Nova Joy is born. So, yeah, thanks to you, uh, Brandon. Uh, I love you. You do a fantastic job with, um, with, the, um, uh, with the ENF. Uh, and you were a fantastic Eden member also. Uh, you are always, you are always. And um, yeah, thank you for all what you are doing. All right, Pat Nova Joy, thanks for sharing this breaking news with us yeah, on the fireside. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Definitely, definitely makes sense. Definitely makes sense uh, with all the joy that you bring to all your projects and the fireside every week. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, Stefan.
Oh. Silence. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Pat. Love Joy, thank you. Yeah, so before no, moving no, on no. to um, Pat Nova Joy, Pat Pat Nova Joy. Joy. sorry, it's going to take <laughs> maybe a few times for me to get it right. Pat Nova yeah. Joy, thanks. Yeah, so before moving on to uh, our other topics of the day, just wanted to give you a quick throwback to last week's episode where we talked extensively. We had Yves Lahose uh, of the EOS Network Foundation talking all sorts of details about the EOS Network Ventures. Um, if you missed it, definitely lots of great information uh, out there to be learned. If you maybe don't want to spend two hours watching the video, the ENF re released a FAQ today going over a lot of the information that was shared in that show in text format. So just wanted to uh, throw that out there today before we move on uh, to some other topics. So I shared the link here in the chat and you can, of course, Find it on the blog at eosnetwork.com. All right, uh, Rhett is signing off. Thank you, Rhett, and uh, have a good evening. Um, and for the rest of us that are staying on, we're going to be talking about Pomelo. So Pomelo donations opened this morning. Uh, we've had we have a lot of applications already approved. When I checked earlier today, we were at 88 applications. I think we have even more than that approved now. Uh, so definitely time to get in there. Go visit pomelo.io and uh, you know donate to the projects that you love. Now my levels are too high. Okay, so um, <laughs> so yeah, so there's a lot going on with Pomelo. Um, donations are open. If you've sent in your application and it's been approved, you can also apply for the pitch session, which is a great way to promote your grant to the entire community. Let me share the link right here. Um, so our first pitch session session pits session is going on tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. So that's four hours before the fireside usually starts for those of you who have difficulty with time zones like Blue Dog. Um, so that's 11 a.m. Easterns. We have um, six, six grant uh, presenters that are confirmed. We have a bunch more, I think, that are going to be confirmed, uh, you know, before the show tomorrow. Uh, but I want to remind you guys, you know, there's four pitch sessions available. And in total, we have maximum of 15 slots per pitch session. Each presenter has five minutes to explain their grant. So maybe if we have a full lineup for a pitch session, it'll last uh, about 90 minutes. But uh, I doubt that we'll get to a full lineup tomorrow. So it's probably going to be a bit shorter than that. But what I want to stress to you guys is that you know, don't wait until the last minute to sign up for these pitch sessions because you may not have room to present if you're too late. So we already have 88 applications or more, you know, approved. Uh, there's only a maximum of 60 spots, probably less than that since we won't have a full schedule, uh, full roster for tomorrow. So I want to give you guys a reminder, if you have not yet applied for your pitch session, please go ahead, do that. Do that today. We'll get you in for tomorrow's show. If not, there's going to be other pitch sessions next week. Again, same time, Thursday, 11 a.m. The week after that, pitch session number three, same time, Thursday, 11 a.m. And then the final pitch session will be on a Tuesday because donations close on the Wednesday. So it's going to final pitch session is going to be a, on a Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, so uh, get in there. I shared the link. 
to apply to the Google form. Uh, once you apply, I'm going to send you an email with some more uh, details. Um, just make sure everyone's nice and ready for the pitch sessions. I think, uh, I think they're going to be even better than last year in terms of the English pitch sessions. I'm going to be a bit more organized. I'm not running them an hour before the fireside, which made things pretty crazy for me last season. Uh, so we're running them on Thursdays. And of course, there's also the Korean pitch sessions and the Chinese pitch sessions and the Generios pitch deck YouTube interviews that you can also apply for through that Google form. Um, so for the English rapid fire Twitter spaces pitch session that we're hosting, it is a first come first serve basis. So as long as you're approved, You've got, you know, an equal chance of getting on there. As soon as you reply to my conversation, uh, to my confirmation email, you get your spot in the pitch session. For the Generios, for the, for the Chinese and the Korean pitch sessions, that's a bit different. Spots are more limited. So each of these teams kind of manages their own invites in the, the way that they feel is best uh, suited for them. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can be confident that they will know that you applied to their pitch session if you sign up through this Google form. Um, 91 grants approved so far in Pomelo. That's great. Daniel Key's coming in, sharing in some updated information. Says it's pretty much on pace with season three, a little ahead. That's great. Um, personally, I went through the list this morning or this afternoon made my first 35 donations to a bunch of grants. Um, some of them I recognized from previous seasons. Some of them were new. Uh, it felt like the quality of the grants and the project is a bit higher than before, which is great to see. And, you know, also great to see many returning grants uh, that have been building their reputation in Pomelo over the last three seasons coming back for season four. And that's really one of the big you know, uh, advantages of, of joining these Pomelo, uh, the, the Pomelo platform is that you get to build your reputation over time with the community and be able to, you know, get funding for your projects every, uh, every season. Um, Daniel Keys, do you want to maybe jump on here, share some of your thoughts so far? I've got a lot more to say, but, uh, you know, I imagine you have some, some things to share too. Yeah, I'm really happy with the uh, the progress so far in season four. Um, like like you mentioned, we're we're up to 91 approvals now, and agree the quality I think of the approved grants is is once again higher this season, getting better and better every single season. I think uh, again we're learning as a community together on what is a public good and how you great make a great successful grant and. We've got a lot of great content out there. Shout out to Catherine, who's who's listening right now. I, I can see her listening, who's been writing some great explainer articles. Uh, the Dot Gems team has been helping us turn those into videos, too. Um, so some of those are still yet to be published. Um, so, yeah, great job to, to the Pomelo team, to the community. Um, we've, I would say, raised the bar a little bit on the approval of, of grants. Um, so part of all that's another probably reason why we're seeing higher quality because we're, I guess, preventing some of the lower quality ones currently from, from getting immediately approved at least. Um, and again, we talked about collections on the last fireside chat. Uh, it's even more exciting now that donations are open and more and more people are starting to use the collections. I'm even more excited about them. It looks like 
Uh, I didn't get a, a count, a recent count on how many collections we have, but there's a good amount of them, actually more than I was expecting at this early stage. Um, and I think there's so much potential with collections uh, to be used in different creative ways. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see, for example, the first grant application for someone who's creating a collection, raise money to become the ultimate pomelo curator and put in some extra time and researching and following up and putting together the, the collection of vetted grants. And, you know, maybe that, that to me, that's a public good. Maybe, maybe you can raise some, some funds to do that. Hint, hint. All right, thank you, Daniel, for sharing those uh, updates. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention about uh, Pomelo is, uh, yeah, some of the articles that we've been publishing. So I shared the link to our Medium account. It's just at Pomelo Grants on Medium. And you can find a variety of, uh, of informative articles. So if you're new to Pomelo or if people are asking you questions, you know, point them there. We've got a bunch of articles such as what are collections, Pomelo rules, new features for Pomelo season four, what are Pomelo pitch sessions, your clear and direct guide to uh, writing a Pomelo grant. And we got more in the pipeline coming. Um, today, I wanted to feature um, one of our more recent articles, um, which is a combination of kind of the season three retrospective results from the survey that we did and also some new features that are available in season four. Um, so if we look here uh, at the, I'm just gonna give a quick overview of some of the things that you can find in this article, but I do encourage you guys to go read the entire article. Um, so some of the things that you'll find in this article are, you know, what are the, some of the themes that came up in the survey, in the community survey that we did? So thank you to everyone who answered that survey. Um, some of the themes include, you know, more support for grant owners. Uh, some of the action items that we've taken to address that feedback is you now have the ability to create a draft application anytime you like. You don't have to wait for seasons to be open. You can get ready well ahead of time. Uh, you know, there's the new article, your guide to a clear and direct Pomelo grant, which gives you tips on how to write a Pomelo grant which I covered a bit uh, in a previous fireside, and and uh, you know how to reach the community and community building. So we've got, of course, the pitch sessions, which I've talked about. We've got uh, an upcoming article that's going to be talking about how to best promote your grant, and we've also got a new neighbor account that's dedicated for the Korean Pomelo community. So we'll be using that account to communicate with the Korean community even more than we have in the past. And then uh, another uh, theme that came up was quicker analysis and matching fund distribution. Uh, so that's something that we've been considering on how to do. And you can find more information about these you know, in the article. Uh, another theme that came up was the tracking of grant progress. So some of the things we're doing for that includes collections, includes you know showing retired grants on the profile page to provide more transparency to donors about funds raised in the past. Uh, tracking donor progress uh, by season is another thing. Uh, and then finally, another theme was in terms of browsing and displaying grants. So for that, we've added new filters. Of course, the collection feature can be used for that as well. 
and we've brought updates to the grant card design, which will hopefully make the information clearer for everyone. So there you go. That's a little quick recap of our one of our latest articles that I encourage you guys uh, to check out. And I see some people here in the chat are sharing their grants. Uh, that's cool. I encourage you guys uh, to do that. Um, we did place a few restrictions today in the main EOS Telegram, Telegram chat uh, last season, which we love to see grant owners getting out there promoting their grants uh, as much as possible. But it was kind of <laughs> a lot last season in that main Telegram chat. So we've added you know, the guideline to maybe keep the promotion to once a week for your grants uh, in that main EOS uh, Telegram channel. So donations are open for uh, four weeks in total. Um, so you can maybe promote you know, your grant four times in that channel. So just wanted to give that quick note on there. Um, but in general, you know, loving to see uh, the activity, loving to see the energy in the community. Uh, people were on the ball, I find, this season. People were ready. We had a big flood of applications right when applications opened. Uh, Daniel and the rest of the team, of the uh, Pomelo team, have been doing a great job reviewing these grants, approving them. There's a lot of grants to review and approve, uh, but, uh, you know, that's been going well also. Uh, so overall, yes, I'm super pleased with how it's going, and I'm excited to see how it's all going to play out. Um, yeah, so if anyone has any questions about Pomelo or thoughts or you want to share something, let's not use the fireside to promote our grants on air. If you guys want to share in the chat, I think that's fine. Uh, but, you know, apply to the pitch session. That's really where we want you guys to be promoting uh, your grants. And those pitch sessions will be recorded, streamed, YouTubed, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah. So that kind of covers it uh, on my side for my Pomelo update. If anyone has any other questions or comments, uh, feel free to jump in. Reduced my volume a bit. I don't know here if uh, who, who gave me that feedback in the chat that it was a bit too loud now. Maybe maybe now it's perfect. Um, so yeah, so next topic uh, I wanted to talk about was the new uh, DeFi product that was released by DeFi Box recently called the Vault. So there's been a lot of action. Uh, the Vault quickly surged to... 3 million EOS staked in the vault in, I think it was, I don't know, two days or something. Um, DeFi Box has been providing a lot of updates on their Twitter, in their Telegram. So definitely check them out to see how it's going. And just yesterday, I think, they released a new feature of the, of the vault called Staked EOS and introduced some of the new things that you can do with your Staked EOS. Um, so maybe I'll invite uh, Zach to talk to us a bit about uh, about these products and the types of things that are now possible with the DeFi Box staked EOS vault. 
so i mean it's it's a pretty standard vault um you deposit eos uh you're agreeing to a five-day lockup so that's kind of the stipulation on DeFi box is um if you're willing to uh i guess uh, give up your liquidity for a five-day lockup period you can enter the vault that's the only real requirement um it's a participant in yield plus so it's essentially from what i could tell it's passing more than a hundred percent of the yield from yield plus uh back to the the stakers into that vault um last i checked this afternoon or this morning is eight percent yield on your eos so and, and that'll dilute as the vault uh grows in size so i'm not sure uh where it'll be next week but um you basically deposit eos for an eight percent yield that is higher than any uh yield you can get um staking natively even with the uh, voter rewards on top of rex you can get about two percent doing that so there obviously is counterparty risk to this it is a DeFi contract it is a participant in recover plus though um but obviously do your own research not investment advice things like that um What's unique about uh, this vault is that it's fully integrated into the DeFi box product suite and that you actually get a receipt token uh, when you deposit into the vault. So as I mentioned, you do give up uh, your liquidity for the actual EOS token for five days, but you get a fully liquid S EOS token, staked EOS. It's very similar to a Y token. If you've ever used YFI on Ethereum, a, a Y ETH token, for example, very similar to that. So staked EOS. Um, I imagine at some point there will probably be a, a liquidity pool that's EOS versus staked EOS. Uh, I don't know how deep it will be, but that would kind of allow a swap there. But right now that doesn't exist. But with your SEOS, what is very unique about it and, and advantageous uh, within DeFi Box is that because it's all within their own protocol, they've essentially whitelisted SEOs to be a whitelisted collateral. So within the DeFi box uh, suite, your SEOs token could be staked as collateral into DeFi box lending. What that means is that you could borrow against it as if it was actual uh, unwrapped EOS. So what's interesting there is that um, you could earn that 8% yield uh, while borrowing assets, other assets against your EOS. Typically, most assets that you borrow against your EOS have a lower than 8% interest rate. Uh, this creates something called a negative interest rate. We're actually getting, you're actually earning more from your yield than you're paying out in interest to borrow. So you're actually getting paid to borrow in, in some ways. Um, the most advantageous strategy right now is probably. Uh, to generate USN, which is the DeFi box stablecoin. Um, the interest rate or the generation fee to create, to mint USN tokens is 1%. So by, by staking your EOS in the vault, you're getting 8% yield, you get an SEOS token. You take that SEOS token, you could put it into uh, DeFi box lending, and you could actually generate USN against it for 1%. So that's obviously a 7% delta. What you do with that USN, uh, you could swap it for Tether, send your Tether to an exchange, put it in your bank account. 
Um, you could also take that USN, you could swap half of it for USDT, and then you could stake the USN 50-50 with USDT into a DeFi box liquidity pool. That liquidity pool, you're not really prone to impermanent loss because it's stablecoin versus stablecoin swap. Um, But you could actually earn another generally 6 to 8% yield on those stablecoins. So like kind of backtrack a little bit you're earning eight percent yield on your eos in the vault and then you generate this usn for a one percent fee essentially and then with with that extra eo or with that extra usn you could generate essentially six to eight percent additional yield on top of the eight percent you're getting on your eos so net I, i i don't know the math but you could essentially on your capital you could earn let's say 11%. If you have a 200% collateral ratio, quite safe. Uh, Obviously, be aware of all of the risks of DeFi and price volatility. But by doing those steps, and they're all outlined, um, I've seen DeFi Box promoting this specific strategy of um, the USN-USDT liquidity pool. If you follow that strategy, collectively, you're getting about 11% yield on your EOS. But with counterparty risk, with DeFi risk, all of that. Um, so it's really cool. It's something that I was hoping to see uh, from the very early days of Yield Plus back in April uh, when we were talking about the program and, and what could come of it. I, I spoke on multiple fireside chats about my um, my hope to see uh, negative interest rates come because of the yield subsidy, because the subsidy is essentially coming from the uh, EOS network itself. So yeah, really excited to see that. Really excited to see um, more uh, competition uh, come out come out of this. Uh, so DeFi Box is obviously leading the way, uh, the highest TVL on chain uh, by far uh, compared to its competitors. But it's it's showing a model that works. Uh, the, the the vault is quite simple: five day lockup, get eight percent yield on your EOS. Um, but yeah, with the EOS utility, um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what kind of adoption that gets. So for example. Like pizza lending, I, I could envision in the future maybe they'll accept SEOs as um, a collateral. But we really do want competition to come out of this. Uh, we do not want uh, SEOs to become the next um, staked ETH. Like if you've been paying attention to ETH 2.0, uh, Lido staking accounts for, I don't even know what the percentage is these days, but roughly 30. of all uh, staked ETH is in Lido. It might even be higher than that. Uh, uh, We do not want that to happen on EOS. So there's actually some countermeasures already in place. One of them being uh, the Yield Plus has a cap to it. So every protocol, including the the new vault on DeFi Box, has a cap of 6 million EOS. Once... uh, once a protocol goes above 6 million EOS, it doesn't actually get in TVL. It doesn't actually earn any additional yield subsidies. So right now there's a 5% yield subsidy on any DeFi protocol up to uh, 6 million EOS. But beyond that 6 million EOS, it's not getting additional yield. So it essentially dilutes that 5%. The, the, high, the more that vault goes above 6 million, uh, the lower the subsidy actually becomes like collectively. So what that does is it kind of creates competition because once the DeFi box vault, which has been very successful at attracting TVL, I, I don't know, I don't have my screen in front of me, but 
it's roughly two or three million EOS right now, so it still has room to grow. Um, but once it hits that cap, it's going to create an opportunity for another DeFi protocol to pop up and say, hey, uh, if you enter the DeFi box vault, it's all diluted because it, it hit its cap. It can only provide so much rewards from the yield plus subsidy. Now, another DeFi protocol can launch their vault and they wouldn't have that same cap until obviously they reach their 6 million EOS. So what that does is it kind of creates a more robust uh, staked EOS ecosystem. There'd be multiple staked EOS uh, derivative tokens, uh, which can kind of, uh, there's, there's pros and cons to it. But the biggest pro is that it's not putting all of that uh, capital into a single vault. So there's no single point of failure. Uh, I believe uh, most of these vaults are staking to Rex in the background. It's completely abstracted from the end users. And uh, those vaults are staking their ES in the Rex. They're probably also uh, getting uh, voter rewards. So if you want to diversify um, the proxies being used and all of that fun stuff, then uh, Yield Plus actually has the countermeasure to that so that there should be multiple vaults over time. If, if TVL were to increase, it would be spread out over multiple vaults uh, at a cap of 6 million EOS each. Obviously, they can go above that 6 million EOS, but they won't be able to rely solely on the Yield Plus uh, subsidy, the 5% subsidy. There you go. How to maximize your yield on EOS. Thank you, Zach, for that great explanation. Uh, I shared some screenshots a bit above here. Uh, the vault is up to 3.4 million EOS. Uh, very impressive stuff. Congratulations to DeFi Box and congratulations again to all of the architects of Yield Plus for designing a really, really good program that is clearly you know, having results and uh, we're seeing TVL grow on EOS, which is great. Um, saw a tweet today actually saying that TVL on EOS was now higher than on Cardano. About fucking time. All right, uh, cool. So if anyone else has some questions or thoughts uh, on that, uh, yeah, jump in, share, share some thoughts or questions. I can give one little timbit that it was actually really impressive. So, Zach, uh, you definitely said everything uh, that I wanted to mention. But one of the things that was actually really impressive was a lot of the new TVL in the vault was actually from new users. Like, so users maybe from a Korean exchange or from different ecosystems. So a lot of times, sometimes a DeFi protocol will have a new product and all the TVL will essentially take from itself and move to the next product. All of this new TVL that was in the vault was actually from new users. So not existing users from the existing protocol. There was definitely some, but a lot of the growth and the TVL growth actually came from external users from the protocol. So that's that's what I kind of found pretty interesting. And I'll share the link of the analysis of the TVL. That is very interesting, Dini. I don't know if I'm the only one, but you're, you're coming through a bit robot -y. not sure if that's me or you, but uh, yeah, that's great. Sorry about that, yeah. I shared I shared the link and then like I said, it's the new TVL outside of the ecosystem, not just uh, salvaging from itself. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Very cool, very cool, yeah. Um, I'm definitely part of that. I've put in a, a good chunk of EOS into the vault, um, which I was not doing 
prior. I was, uh, yeah, anyways, I've decreased my centralized finance lending exposure to zero, uh, basically back when Luna crashed. And now uh, a lot of, of some of those funds are now in the box, earning yield in DeFi on EOS. And, and then depending on where you live, uh, you're actually forced to use DeFi because just for me in particular, living in Ontario, I actually have had all my centralized exchange accounts closed. So I was actually forced to use DeFi as the only alternative. So I am a 100% on-chain, fully custodied by force of the government of Ontario. Same. <laughs> I can't even go on an centralized exchange even if I wanted to. Endax. Endax is a good Canadian one. You should check it out. Yeah, but I don't know. I always keep getting messages from all sorts of, like, I, I'm with, um, uh, I just don't trust any of the Canadian exchange with, you know, Quadriga and all that stuff. You know, I'm going to chill on chain. But I will look at Endax. Yeah, just as a way to get fiat on and off. Don't don't store any. I think that's the big lesson. But uh, and Dax has been around for a good amount of time. They got good customer service. So the Canadians out there. Um, I'm also in Ontario, so I feel your pain, Denny. Yeah, I use Newton for the sort of like the fiat and conversion, which has been pretty good. But for sure, like I said, anyone holding large amounts of assets on an exchange should definitely reduce that to a minimum, or just do the sort of. Um, hot in or hot out, just kind of like conversion in and conversion out. But um, yeah, we're blazing the trail in Ontario. Max regulation in Ontario. Government's looking out for you, Denis. There is even there is even a limit of, they specifically say, you cannot oh my buy God. Yeah. <laughs> more than $30,000 worth of EOS, specifically EOS. But you're allowed to buy more than thirty thousand Ethereum or Bitcoin. Yeah, it's an actual law. Anyways, it's mind blowing. Another still, strategy. Uh, <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, out here in Quebec, we're still we're still a free people here. We can go degen on Binance or wherever we want. But anyways, Zach, what were you gonna say? I was just going to say another strategy if you are DGEN uh, with the DeFi box strategy is you could uh, borrow against that SEOs, generate USN, and buy any uh, token you want to go long on. You're essentially holding, you could hold a long position and get paid to be long because the delta is 7%. Uh, you're earning 8 or 7% on your EOS. I just saw the screenshot. And then you're borrowing USN for 1%. And then with that USN, you could buy EOS. You could buy any token on EOS. Um, so you're essentially creating a long position. And you're, typically when you hold a long position, uh, you're paying interest out. So you can only, depending on the size of your position, you can only, I guess, hold it for so long um, before the interest rates start kind of eating away at your principal. Uh, but because of the the yield generation on the the staked EOS, you're actually you could actually hold that long position 
unless you get liquidated, obviously, you could hold that long position uh, comfortably for quite quite a while. You're actually getting paid to do it. And you could actually, I don't know, Deneeb probably knows the exact uh, leverage position you could do on DeFi Bucks by winding up your position. Um, but you could borrow USN against your staked EOS, and then you could buy more EOS, put that EOS into the vault, generate SEOS, borrow against it, buy more EOS with the USN, and you could lever up, I don't know what the 5x leverage maybe. I don't know what the number would be. Uh, not investment advice, don't be a degen. You'll you'll probably get wrecked in this market. But um, it is something that's possible, which uh, if you time the market right, you could do well or really bad. Yeah. I pyramided I once. I don't pyramid yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's called like pyramiding. Like you essentially cascade a, a position and you just essentially deposit, borrow, buy, deposit, borrow. And uh, as long as the fees are, you know, because a lot of it times is you're going to be paying uh, swap fees to kind of get into that position. So yeah. it, it can be an expensive venture. And I think, uh, I think Steph, you've ventured <laughs> yeah. it out. Yes, I learned that lesson. I learned that lesson. I pyramided hard. It's not too big of an amount, but I wanted to see how it went. Pyramided pretty hard. Got scared of getting liquidated like I always do. Then removed my position and then I realized, oh my God, the fees the fees were pretty high, but yeah, fun, calling. fun times in DeFi land. Yeah, but definitely a product for sure. I think a lot of uh, there is um, leveraged positions like that, like leveraged uh, LP positions, so uh, liquidity provider positions on BSC. So right now, like EOS has the sort of the, the base primitive tools, but there is a lot of products you can build on top of these sort of Lego blocks. We just haven't gone into the full, full degen, like the margin LP position. We've just gone on one X LP positions, but I think these products are coming. Um, it's just a matter of time and making sure that the the foundational pieces are secure first, and then you can start really kind of going on, you know, leverage positions of LP positions. Um, so it is a common common mechanics on Binance chain. Yeah, fun little fact about LPs. Um, so I personally bought crypto before I purchased any stocks or any type of traditional investments. And uh, so, you know, in DeFi, LPs stands for liquidity provider. But LPs is also a term used in traditional venture funds, which came up last week on the far side. I always thought that meant liquidity provider, but apparently that's not what it means in the old TradFi world. Apparently LP means limited partner. So that's something I learned recently. Thought I'd share that with you guys. Just while we're on the topic, you could also go short using the, the stake DOS vault. You could borrow against your stake DOS. You don't have to generate USN. You could borrow any other token on their platform. So you could borrow DAP, you could borrow Box itself, and you'd still have that negative interest rate, and you basically just sell that borrowed asset onto the market and hope it goes down in price, and you could buy it back cheaper later. Nonsense. That's, that's it Long-only positions allowed <laughs> in the fireside.
All right, I've got a few more topics here I wanted to discuss today. Um, I noticed something pretty amazing on Atomic Hub yesterday while we were doing some planning for the next stage of the Pomelo NFTs, which is something that's coming up soon, so keep your eyes out for that. But Atomic Hub now supports unlockable content. So that's a feature that's been available on other platforms like OpenSea, for example, and something that has not been available on EOS or WAX, you know, through uh, the leading NFT platform called Atomic Hub. But apparently that's live now. Unfortunately, I haven't had time to play with it just yet. Uh, I don't know if anyone in here has had time to play with it. Um, I think, Andrew, when we last talked, you were kind of hoping to uh, to get around to, to trying it out. I don't know if you had the time or not, but if any of you have, I'd love to hear uh, more about your experience or, or some of the things that we can now do with unlockable content on EOS via NFTs. Oh, Jublox saying that he used it. All right. What does that mean? Uh, yeah, I can, I can share. I have a, an NFT project I was uh, working on for my friend who's, uh, got a, a song that people, uh, got in a TV show, people ended up liking it. So she wanted to release it as an NFT. Um, and, uh, the idea that I had was, uh, putting the stems, which means the individual instruments, um, as an unlockable part of the NFT so that people who are big fans can come in, do their own remixes, that kind of thing. Um, but... Uh, the only marketplace that I could find that feature in was OpenSea. And uh, to register with OpenSea, you know, it cost me $180 or something like that just for the transaction fees. So um, I definitely wanted to do it on EOS, and I'm very happy to see this feature on EOS now because that means I can use it and, you know, don't have to pay $100 for transaction fees. <laughs> There you go. And I see Yana here coming in, sharing a screenshot of our wax discovery show that we do uh, at Dot Gems, promoting a lot of the NFT projects and going ons in the wax ecosystem. So I don't know, Yana, if you want to jump on here and, and maybe share some of your thoughts, I'd love to hear from you. Hey, hey, yeah, normally uh, on the production table, and it takes me like two minutes to unmute myself. So uh... Hope uh, happy that Dave is streaming today, and I have the chance. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, amazing. I, I just chat in the chat. Uh, we talked about in the Wax Discovery um, a little bit, and um, it's not that you can upload files as far as we've seen, but what you can do is like uh, add a password or or something to into the uh, unlockable content to your NFTs, so people get access to a public file, which is password hidden for example and it's amazing uh, we have so many uh, creators artists uh, which have like on top of the public uh, stuff some like premium content uh, behind a paywall and uh, this uh, enables it uh, for for the nft holder to to access this uh, stuff cool very cool very cool thank you thank you for uh, sharing yana i uh, i shared the link to that Wax Discovery episode from yesterday in the chat for those of you who want to get in there, learn more about Wax NFTs. All right, final topic of the day. Let's talk a bit about some soccer. So FIFA World Cup is going on. 
Canada played their first match today. They lost. Um, but um, I saw a tweet actually yesterday uh, from someone promoting Sportbet.1. I think it was Kid made a nice tweet about Sportbet.1, which is a sports betting platform on EOS. And uh, I'm going to go find that tweet, actually, because it's really good. And it shows kind of how easy and seamless it is to get onto the platform, connect through your, wa- your Anchor wallet, and just get in there and become a sports betting DJ for the FIFA World Cup. Uh, so I tried it. I had, it had been a while since I had explored the, game, the gambling apps on EOS. They were, of course, very popular when the network launched in 2018. I was out there bet dice and gambling on all sorts of stun- stuff. It was fun, uh, but I hadn't been there for a while. And, you know, got to say, I was very impressed, uh, like Rec Kid said, about the platform. Very smooth, very fast, very seamless. Doesn't, you know, doesn't feel blockchain-y at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I got in there, bet on Canada, lost all my EOS today, but uh, still, it was fun. Um, so I don't know if you guys want to share a bit about who you're cheering for, or if you're fans of uh, soccer or football or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, so I had a bit of fun with that uh, yesterday. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to maybe bring that up, see what you guys think about uh, the FIFA World Cup. No one else losing money betting on their country in the World Cup? I'm the only one? I'm cheering. I'm cheering for France because of Hugo Lloris. He's our goalkeeper. And um, I tend to root for Tottenham. So, yeah. I'm based in Canada, though. But I know Canada is not going to win the World Cup. Let's be real. So. <laughs> I looked at the odds of Canada winning the World Cup. I think they're 1,200 to 1. <laughs> or something yeah uh, i don't know it was pretty funny I didn't, yeah it was twelve thousand. i don't know i didn't I, I didn't even understand those odds to be honest they were so big i think it was plus twelve thousand, which it's, i'm usually used to seeing like plus 200 or plus 300 not too sure how yeah, that converts, no. but not gonna happen <laughs> yeah not gonna happen i know the the americans were very happy about their zero zero tie which is is weird for for the americans to be cheering for zero zero scoring um, but yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited to, uh, I, w- I wasn't able to watch the game today. I was prepping for the fireside and stuff. The game was, uh, two and a half hours ago, but, uh, yeah, hopefully I can catch one of the, one of the Canada games. I don't know how long it's been since Canada has been in the world cup, but I know it's been a very long time. Um, I think it was the eighties if I'm not mistaken. There you go. I, I could be wrong. I think it was 1986. Uh, so I was four years old back then. Yeah, I didn't catch the games back then. Hopefully I catch them this, this time around. Yeah, 1986. Wow, I like that. just dropping Alpha on his age. <laughs> <laughs> um, KJ4EZ here sharing, of course, some of the more nefarious sides of FIFA, especially hosted in Qatar. I think we've all heard about that. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully that gets better. 
over time. Hopefully the corruption in FIFA and in the Olympics and all that stuff goes down over time, but I don't know. We'll see. Drew here saying he likes basketball better because it's more exciting. Never seen a soccer game with hundreds of points. Yeah, there you go. Classic American. Um, <laughs> Mockingbird saying America loses so much at soccer. A shout-out is welcome. Yeah, get that. But anyway, so I hope you guys uh, enjoy the FIFA. Maybe check out the sportbet.one if you want to wager a little bit of EOS uh, on your favorite team. I, I found the experience fairly enjoyable. Until I lost it, of course. All right, so that kind of wraps up all the topics that I had on my list. At this time, I'm going to open up to the floor. Anyone who wants to share some updates about their projects, some comments, some questions for the guests here. I see Eve is in the chat, although he hasn't uh, joined the mic yet. Uh, you know, Zach is still with, with us. We had Winnie here talking, uh, one of the new ENF uh, marketing employees. Uh, love to hear from you, Winnie. And uh, yeah, so if anyone else has stuff to share, uh, now's the time to do it. Or maybe we just uh, spend this time helping me adjust my mic levels. I had messages saying too low, then too high, uh, adjust a few times, I don't know. How do I sound now? Does it seem reasonable? Sounds good to me. Great. I've asked uh, Santa Claus for a stream deck this Christmas. So I'm gonna have my, my sound effects and everything right there at my fingertips with some buttons instead of having to uh, move my mouse around behind all the millions of windows I've got open here. So come the new year, we should see some higher level production values and higher level sound effects in the fireside. Baby, yeah. I'm gonna have that patch that pat Nova Joy, yeah, baby, yeah, right at my fingertips at all time now. It's gonna be great. Oh nice, nice stream deck alternative here. Maybe I will look into it, yeah. Doesn't seem as expensive, but is it going to be as easy for a noob like me to set up? That's very important. I need to up my game in terms of production and streaming and all that. That's going to be one of the things I'll be working on in the new year. Open source stream that Not sounds scary and complicated to me. Does it let you custom? I, I have a stream deck. It's sweet. Do you um? I don't see in these pictures if you can customize the icons on it, like the images. Like on a stream deck, every button is basically a little tiny LCD screen, and you could put custom icons on it because you could have like 
five pages of buttons that you could scroll around for and you know what each button does because it's essentially its own screen. Could you do that on this one? No, you, you can't. It's it's not, uh, it doesn't have like a little LCD and all the keys, but it does have a little OLED panel that tells you what all the keys do and it has 32 pages. So, you know, take that for what it, it is. So it's it's just an I mean it's an alternative it's not feature uh, parity but it's also sixty five I don't know what the stream deck even costs yeah necessarily designed for streaming specifically like I don't really stream I just use it for development work um, so I've got a bunch of developer shortcuts on it but uh, I figured I'd throw it out there they had streaming in mind when they designed it like in part so it can be used for that but I never have used it for that and I don't stream so. You know, my don't weigh my opinion too heavily, but just throwing it out there. It's a good project. It's lasted me at least a year. I don't really use it for stream. I use it for all the shortcut keys. So like in Photoshop and stuff, anytime you have a shortcut key where it's like control and shift and some other button, that's what I like to use mine for is all the little shortcut keys are nice on a touchpad, easy to reach. And it could be app specific, like depending on which app you're using. Yeah, this is exactly for that, and it it can switch the profiles based on what program you you currently have in Focus. That's a newer feature. Um, it's all open source software and hardware, and it's programmed with DuckyScript, which is a scripting language that's pretty simple. It's like it's from the Rubber Ducky hostile USB thingy, um, but it's like it's one of the most approachable scripting languages I've seen, but it's still a scripting language. So I don't know what the stream deck uses. If it's just like clicking things, maybe it's easier, but it's certainly this thing is certainly cheaper. And so it's just a neat project, you know. For sure. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing it up. I appreciate it. I'm still doing uh, my research. Not sure exactly what I'm going to get, but uh, I'm also the host of the hot sauce. And we're going to be, I'm going to be the host for next year, probably on a more permanent basis. We've had a, a variety of hosts hosting the hot sauce, uh, but I'm going to be, you know, stepping up my production game on that side as well, buying some lights, buying a green screen, all that stuff. So I'm excited. I'm going to learn how to stream my own, my own stuff, restream, you know, to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all the stuff that Yana and Dave are doing for me right now. Hopefully next year. I'll be able to do that, all of that stuff uh, myself. Um, another big news in my life is that fiber is finally available. I've been struggling with 12 megabyte second internet for the last 20 months. It's been very hard ever since I moved. But uh, this morning I got my email in saying that fiber is available. So I think they're going to come install it on Monday. Um, so once that nice internet connection is in here, I'll be more confident in streaming my own stuff. So that, that that's very, very big news for me. <laughs> Welcome to the first world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I moved away from the first world two years ago. I was, I was told there would be fiber when I bought the house. I called the company. I'm like, Hey, is this true? Will there be fiber when I moved in? They're like, yes. And then I call a week before I move in. They're like, Oh no, sir. There's no ETA yet. Oh, great. But uh, yeah, hopefully those days are behind me now. I'll be able to invite friends and let them know, yeah, you can have a Zoom meeting on your, uh, while I'm having a Zoom meeting too, if that's needed. Um, anyways. Were you using uh, your mobile, mobile internet a lot? <laughs> because your wired internet was so slow, your mobile was fa just as fast? 
Yeah, yeah, my mobile. Yeah, I use my mobile a bunch, and the internet I have here is like a series of dishes that connect Wi-Fi through the forest. I don't know what the, the setup is, but it wasn't wasn't the greatest. Uh, yeah, I use Starlink actually. So the Quebec government uh, had a program in place that said like every resident of Quebec is gonna have high speed access by September 2022. And when the fiber rollout was a bit delayed, maybe because of the huge storm we had in May, they actually sp uh, offered sponsored Starlink uh, connection. So I applied to that. I got accepted in the program last week, uh, and but now this week the fiber is coming. So that's so I won't need to use Starlink. But yeah, I was uh, I was excited about that. The government was going to pay for my initial setup, which was like seven hundred fifty bucks, and then we're going to discount the monthly fee down to a hundred to kind of make it you know on par with other fiber connections in Quebec. So, yeah, yeah, fiber lower latency, higher bandwidth available for sure. Uh, so basically, I'm going from twelve megabytes a second to a thousand, <laughs> getting that one hundred x improvement almost. I'm pretty excited about that. I upgraded What's the my... upload. That's what What's really matters. What's the upload? Yeah, I'm uh, not sure. Not sure. Yeah, upload. Definitely uploads. better than the six megabyte second I have now, I'm sure. Uh, yep. Let me see if that email shares that. Thank you for sharing all of your personal life with us. My pleasure. It's just it's just such a big news for me. I can't I can't contain it. I'm so happy. I'm jealous. I grew up with fiber. Um, we got fiber in my neighborhood in August 2007, and I went straight from dial-up to that. It was like a a thousand times speed increase, and it changed wow. my life. And then I had that until I moved to where I live now. And um, you know, here they they offer decent speeds. It's like cable, so I get gigabit down, but the upload's on only forty megabits, which is not a whole lot. And I'm just I'm so jealous because like my family, they live in a metro area, and their lowest tier is two hundred up. And I'm like, man, ugh. Yeah, yeah. Let me see. Where was that email? I think I deleted it. Anyways. But yeah, so hopefully, uh, you know, this new, new fancy internet's gonna allow me to deliver greater quality streams here for the fireside, although this audio seems to be okay, but the video for the, the hot sauce definitely gonna be nice. All right, so we're coming up on almost two hours here, so gonna give it a last call for anyone who wants to share something, share some updates, ask a question, say hi, all that good stuff. Last call. Oh yeah, Aaron, I did see a message from Aaron. Where did it go? Those of you interested in keeping up on the SDK project that Graymass is working on, expect some blog posts and plenty more information as the project progresses. Wharfkit.com from uh, uh, Aaron, do you want to come on and, and talk a little bit about that? Just make sure, why not? Yes. So the name is kind of out now. We're calling this Wharf uh, or Wharf Kit as the full thing. It's a software development kit or an SDK. So it's Wharf Kit. Uh, this is the project that originated in the Wallet Plus Blue Paper, where we talked about the needs for better tools for developers to build applications, and got approved by the coalition kind of over the summer and started late fall. And we're working on it. The branding kit. Uh, 
If you watch video number two on the website, that's where we announced the brand. Uh, video three was the meeting from about three hours ago that just got published. Um, we're doing these meetings once every week or two, and we'll be publishing them. Today, we did kind of a deep technical dive into part of the SDK. Um, but if you are a developer in the that has knowledge on the web side of things that, and you want to be involved in the kind of evolution of this tooling, I would welcome you to check out the videos, provide feedback. Uh, we launched this bare bones website just so that we, we had a place to house these videos. Um, but this site's going to evolve into a portal where we're going to provide documentation and guides and educational materials, uh, as well as how to get started. So at WarfKit, it's going to be kind of the evolution that we're pushing forward on, on trying to get people to build applications across Antelope. Yeah, baby, yeah. Just so happy kid. that we won't have this uh, ambiguity over what to call the damn thing. It started right? as wallet SDKs, then client-side SDKs, then web SDKs. Now it's just Worf. Now it's Worf just Worf. Worf. It's got a cool logo. It's got a whole lot of like symbolism behind it. Uh, it's got nerdy, techie kind of terminal feel to it. It looks like a W. It looks like a Web3. It's kind of Web3. It's the foundation of Web3. We we nerded out a lot over like the visual representation of all of this and how to get people excited about it. There's a podcast coming out on Friday, right, Lovejoy? Yep, I really and know there is there are the Klingon references, which is the most important part. <laughs> what is this reference for us non Trekkies? Uh, Worf, W-O-R-F, was one of the characters from one of the Star Trek series. W-H-A-R-F is, you know, like a pier or a dock. But when you just say Worf, you say it the same way. So why not? Why not have fun with some Klingons? Yeah, sweet logo as well. Nice job, you guys. All of, all of the, the gray mass branding has always been on point. Very nice. Thanks. Our, uh, our team uh, pulls out some good stuff. It takes time, but we're, we're happy with it. And this, this one specifically, like gray mass has always kind of had a nautical theme to its stuff. Like we have Anchor, obviously, and we have a background service called Lighthouse and one called Sextant. Um, and it's all this like nautical stuff. And Wharf is the bridge between you know, the land and the sea. So antelopes live on the land. You know, we're going we're gonna to connect the two. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah, baby, yeah. Yeah, we're excited about this. Starting to get to talk about it. It'll hopefully set the stage for uh, for other frameworks as well. Like whether it's, people building games or people building mobile apps, whatever they might want to build. So we, we are trying to take all the experience we've had over the years and really package it up and make it easier for people to get involved. A question for you there, Aaron. So is this yeah. usable or is this a demoable? What, uh, where, where, yeah, can I like put all of this in, in like our Pomelo Harvest page, let's say, or is this... <laughs> production ready no it's, it. no it's not production ready if uh, uh today's call we went over 
the kind of early prototype for backend usage. Um, and I mean, the code's semi-usable. Uh, the unit tests are functional, but like, there's no user-facing elements yet. It doesn't actually broadcast transactions yet. So mm. we'll, we'll hopefully have something that's maybe usable in like a server-side context in okay. the coming weeks. Uh, and then we're starting to do deep research on the UI side of things. So that way you could put it in something like a Pomelo page or whatever it may be. Okay. And maybe maybe you can elaborate on the server side. So let's say, what are your techniques on the server side? Is there like some optimization on like sessions or kind of like, you know, because I know that if you just use um, standard JS. There's a lot of things in the transactions when you push a transaction that gets, you know, gets info every transaction. It does a lot of things. Is the server side kind of optimized to kind of reduce the amount of transactions that are getting pushed? Or maybe... I will. Yeah. Um, okay. Right now, it's fairly basic. We have a lot of like, if you dig through the code, which all of this is available on WarfKit on GitHub. That's the organization yeah. name. Each repository lives under WarfKit. Yeah. Uh, the thing we reviewed today was the session kit, and it is what offers the it offers sessions. Um, you can mm -hmm. establish a session and then perform transactions against it, and it acts like the EOSIO transact call or the EOSJS transact call. Um, but it has a plugin architecture to it, so you can customize how the transactions. Uh, flow, whether you want to do co-signing or IBC or uh, like log the results of things during a transaction call. Uh, it's kind of open on however you want to do it. Um, yeah, but I kind of lost my train of thought there. I've been talking a lot today. <laughs> yeah, looks great. I'll uh, look forward to the, watching the video. And uh, I'm already on the GitHub repo, but uh, yeah, like I said, I'll, uh, I'll keep uh, monitoring and Wait for the green light on your production-ready uh, SDK so that we can start implementing it. Right Absolutely. Away. We want to get it to a point where we have kind of an early access release where we're like, we think this all works. The unit test tells us this all works. Now we need people to use it and tell us what sucks about it so we can make it better. Great. Looking forward to it. Hopefully not too much longer. And then following that, that'll be the contract kit and the account kit to help do some code generation to optimize API calls for interacting with contracts and make it even easier to for anybody who wrote a contract to then interact with it in an application. And the account kit, which is all about managing your or a user's account. It doesn't have to be your account. But that account kit will probably be useful for things like wallets or block explorers or any application that a user is going to log into and then you might want want to manage something about the user's account, whether it's buying RAM or powering up or something like that. Daniel with all the good wharf memes. <laughs> <laughs> Just came across a nice graphic here. Uh showing the surge in decentralized exchange volume over the last oh, yeah. month. Um, obviously, this is for the Ethereum ecosystem, but uh, gives you a nice visual uh, representation of the shift in the market that, of course, 
it has happened now that FTX, you know, the centralized exchange blow up like me, like Denis, like many others clearly moving over to DeFi, which is uh, great. How about we get some, uh, some crypto market bottom predictions from people in the crowd? Are we, are we at the bottom or is there another leg down? Is Genesis going to go bust though? Is GBTC going to be unwound and sold into the markets? What do you guys think? Beard coin having nice. We got one vote for slow descent until spring. I won't participate in the speculation, but Binance refused to cancel Genesis. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, Binance getting out there, <laughs> trying to establish ultimate dominance in the exchange and market in crypto. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, uh, I shared, you know, CZ, yes, I think it was yesterday or whatever, said some comments about Coinbase potentially, you know, not having all the reserves or whatever. He, he then retracted that message. But uh, my initial reaction was to like, hey, slow down there, CZ. You already blew up one huge exchange, you know, don't need to go for uh, for two in the same month. Give us a break a bit. But, you know, one one nice thing is that, you know, a lot of, Crypto and Bitcoin have been removed from exchanges. I myself have removed a lot. I had, you know, most off since the Luna implosion, but removed even more uh, recently. Now really just basically got nothing left on there. Feels good to be holding my own keys. The, the point of crypto basically. So hopefully there's a wake up call for a lot of people to, you know, take advantage of the ability to hold, to custody your own assets in crypto. And we've been seeing that, you know, uh, across all exchanges, basically. So that's good. Yeah, I've been buying a bit more BTC every time it drops, running out of running out of dry powder, but I still got a bit more in case it drops a bit more. We'll see. Got my got my girlfriend's dad telling her that he believes that crypto is not going to survive. So I think that's a good bottom sign. You mentioned something like custodying your own crypto. Should we talk about like how someone can do that? Or is that, is everyone here sort of know how to do that? Sure, we can talk about that. What are your thoughts on this subject? Well, the, the general advice that I give my friends and, you know, this is just me speaking as an individual and this is not financial advice, but usually what I say is like, if you have more than one paycheck in crypto or anything you can't afford to lose, you should buy a hardware wallet. So like the, the most prominent examples are Ledger and Trezor. Um, you know, they come with wallets for major coins. You can move all your stuff there. Um, and then the follow up to that that I usually share with people and 
again, not financial advice, speaking as myself, um, is if you have two paychecks or anything you can't afford to lose, you should buy something like, you know, the crypto tag is is one example, but titanium plates or stainless steel plates or, or something where you can stamp your seed phrase into them and um, it would survive a fire. So you, you wouldn't need the ledger to recover your assets. So that's that's generally what I would say. But so I'm definitely holding more than two paychecks worth of crypto and I have not reached that level yet of the, you know, stamped private key, private key or, or seed words. My my concern with that is how do you keep that safe from no one just finding it and then finding all your crypto? That's that's been kind of my issue with that. That's why I prefer having, uh, you know, a, a, a hardware wallet. Uh, because even if someone finds that hardware wallet, they still need that pin, you know, to access your crypto. So I've actually got a few hardware wallets that I have multiple copies of, you know, one's here, one's there, one's uh, out there, whatever. Um, so that's been kind of my, uh, my go-to method, but I'm, I'm curious if you have thoughts about how to keep those, you know, seed phrases that are stamped into metal or whatever it is, uh, you know, secure and, and safe. Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to share my opinions, which, again, are just my own and not financial advice. But, um, yeah, so having multiple hardware wallets geographically distributed is is fantastic. Um, it is worth noting that the usual way that crypto gets stolen is either like the FTX type situation where a centralized entity uh, runs off with all your money um, or, you know, you get a computer virus or something that that steals your crypto or uh, encrypts your hard drive or something like that. It's fairly rare for people to just randomly find your seed phrase and and know what it is, but that is a possibility. So um, the other thing is if you have the stamped titanium plates, if something were to happen to ledger, like their apps are compromised or, you know, or treasure, their apps are compromised or, you know, they don't support the latest protocol. They stop updating or something. The, the seed phrase is based on, VIP 39 and 41. So you can use a software wallet if you know those those 12 or 8 or 6 or 24 words or however many words it is. If you know those words, you can use a software wallet to sweep all of your coins somewhere else. So that's a big advantage to having the titanium plates. You don't actually need a ledger or treasure to restore your tokens from that. So if you want to keep your titanium plate safe, like, you know, safe is a great idea. Um it really depends what your threat model is. You know, a safety deposit box is an excellent place for that sort of thing, unless your threat model is the government coming in and taking them. You know, that's happened. The The U.S. government, for example, took everyone's gold. They drilled safe deposit box and took everyone's gold in the 30s. So if that's your threat model, then a safe deposit box is not a great place for that. Um, one idea that is is great for this sort of thing is, you know, if you have 24 words, you stamp would the math be 16 of them into each plate so you know the first 16 into one plate then eight more random words a second plate with eight random words or sorry four random words then 16 you know real words and then four random words and the third plate with eight random words and 16 real words so if someone finds one they would find the plate type in the 24 words and it would lead to nothing and if you want to be really clever you could put a little bit of crypto on there in that, you know, on, on each of those three wallets. 
and then they'd think they got something. Um, and then you take those three plates and you geographically distribute them. Um, you hide one in your in a safe at your house, one in a safe deposit box, one at your parents' house, you know, whatever that is. And that's not what I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't talk about it. But uh, another idea is now they have this thing called the 25th word. So you have the 24 words that like ledger and treasure, treasure normally support. Um, and then you can have a second account with a 25th word. So it's the first 24 words and then a 25th word. So, it, you know, if someone broke into your house and put a gun to your head or whatever, you can put in the 24 words and then, you know, you could put some crypto on that account and then they would think they got something, you know, $500, $100, $1,000, whatever that is. But then your real money is on the 25th word. And so how to store that? I mean, that's up to you. Um, another idea is, is keeping that in a trust with a lawyer, which I personally wouldn't do, but again, it's all about your threat model. So you could have a lawyer that has the 25th word or all 24 words or whatever. So, I mean, those are just some ideas, again, not financial advice, speaking as an individual, not on behalf of my employer, but those are just some schemes you could do. Um, that, yeah, that's really good stuff. Actually, I, you know, splitting up the seed word something I've heard, uh, but I had not heard of the idea of putting dummy words in there and split it that way. That's, that's actually even better. Um, and uh, of course, having that dummy account available to give whoever wrench attacks you is obviously uh, a very good idea as well. Good stuff. Thanks for sharing. I like, I like the, the decoy the decoy wallet. I was actually using that technique uh, when I was traveling and overseas. I would have two wallets, one wallet, which was the, if I get mugged, I give you this wallet with, you know, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. And I have my real wallet, which is just in a different pocket. But you have the, in case I get mugged wallet, you give them that. So I really like that, that decoy mechanic. Uh, I've used oh, that. Oh, you mean that. like actual, like old yeah, like wallets act with actual yeah, like actually had Oh, <laughs> yeah, I had two wallets and nice. actually use that method also for uh, negotiating. I was like, oh, I only have $20 in my wallet, but I know I have another wallet with more. But then you would show the wallet, say, hey, look, I only have 20 bucks in my wallet. There's just, you know, two other wallets on me as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very nice. But I, like the de I like the decoy mechanic for sure. I thought you were uh, going to get mugged and someone's like, give me your treasure. As if it's a normal thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that too. No, I, I keep I different amounts of money in different pockets. It's not, yeah, yeah kind sure, of the yeah, same. Sure. Good for negotiating because most countries, a lot of countries, you got to haggle for everything at the shops. I did that by accident actually in a club in Vegas. I got pickpocketed by these pros. It was it was well done. They really they really got me. But um, in my other in my other pocket, I had a, uh, many thousands of dollars from my buddy who doesn't trust himself with money when he goes out drinking because then he just spends it on blackjack. So I put that in my right pocket and I had my own drinking money in my left pocket. So I lost a few hundred dollars and that's how I knew I was targeted by pros because they targeted the pocket that they saw me reach, take money out to pay for drinks, right? And they didn't target the other pocket that had a lot more money in there. Fun little story. While I'm sharing my personal life here, might as well keep going. It's unfortunate that that same friend you suggested he put all his money on FTX after you saved it. <laughs> uh, no, I think he holds his own crypto. Not too much, but I think, <laughs> I, I think he's listened to, to, to all of my steps. 
unlike many of my friends. Step one, buy crypto. Step two, don't leave it on exchanges. Man, so many people did not listen to step two. They got wrecked by Quadriga in 2017 or 18 or whatever. Very sad. Well, that's, that's why I brought this up. Like I have friends that have invested more money than I can imagine in crypto and they keep it on an exchange. And when the FTX thing happened, it wasn't FTX, but when the FTX thing happened, I just posted in like a group chat and I'm like, if anyone wants help getting their crypto off an exchange, let me know. Like, this is why you don't keep it there. But, you know, I can't, can't hold their hand, can't control them. Yeah, I made a similar Um, post. I made a similar post on my Facebook, you know, saying, you know, get your crypto off exchanges now if you haven't done so. Um, Someone messaged me is like, hey, Steph, I bought some BTCC, you know, through an ETF through my bank. You know, do I need to withdraw that? And it was very sad when I had to say, no, the banks are okay. Oh, it was a very sad moment for me. I just want to throw out there, like, for anyone, if you do have crypto on an exchange, a ledger or Trezor, I mean, a ledger is only $80. Like, you don't need to do fancy things with a bunch of titanium plates in eight different cities. Like, you, you could just buy a ledger for $80, and that's better than having it on an exchange. So... Yeah, and the, the tricky thing is a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, Steph, I'll do that. But it's not an emergency. It's not like I need to do that right now. And then they kind of have that same attitude every day, every week, and then they get caught. And they're like, oh, shit, I meant to do that, but I didn't prioritize it. So that's one lesson in crypto I learned very early. If you got something you need to do in crypto, withdraw coins, make a trade, whatever it is, do it right away. Make that the priority or else you're likely going to regret it because things move fast. Things happen when you don't expect them, etc. Well, bit you know, on that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go for it. Uh, on that note, you know, I'll share a story that like I've personally experienced. I don't know if anyone here has heard of Cryptopia, but Cryptopia was a New Zealand exchange that was probably mostly unknown. I mean, I have no idea how many assets they actually had or what their volume was or any of that. They were a New Zealand exchange, and I wanted to invest in an altcoin that uh, was available on Cryptopia. So I you know, moved money into Ethereum and moved it over to Cryptopia and bought oh, no. this altcoin. And yeah, so you probably know where the story is going. <laughs> they hack that where they lost somewhere around 40 or 50 percent of all their assets. And so the New Zealand government froze all their assets. And this was in 2017. So they went into liquidation and that's still going on. I still haven't gotten my money back. Like, thank God it wasn't a significant amount of money. It was like a just like sort of a, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars, just like an experiment. But um, all I had to do was pay the dollar to move it to a soft wallet on my computer. And I wouldn't have to worry about this. It's you know I'm not salty about it or anything. It's been an interesting thing to watch, like the liquidation proceedings. But retail traders are absolutely last in line. So when the liquidation started, the New Zealand government ordered the cloud provider to keep their servers up so they could do an investigation. So they paid cloud costs on hosting all of their you know all their servers and content and databases and all that stuff. They're paying cloud costs without making any money because the exchange is done. Um, They're paying a team of lawyers. They're paying liquidation professionals. And, you know, they've been paying these things for five years. 
And those people are first in line. Whatever debtors they had, like as a, as a normal business, you have some debtors. Whatever debtors they have is are, are, are second in line. Retail traders are last in line. So I probably won't see a penny. So just like as a word of, you know, and again, it was a small amount of money relative to where I was at that point in my life. And to be honest, that altcoin is probably worth nothing at this point. But just as a word of caution, like if you're a retail trader, you are last in line. And by the time they do these things, like investigate and, you know, hire lawyers and do liquidation, there's not going to be any money left for you. Yeah, definitely good point. I heard that the new FTX CEO is getting paid $1,300 an hour for, I don't know what he's doing, but uh, yeah, similar liquidators, lawyers, all those people, they get paid first before the, the people who actually lost, which is very sad. Yeah, I, I saw someone speculate on Reddit. I don't know how, or sorry, Twitter. I don't know how, you know, seriously we should take their word, but I mean, they basically assembled the A team of um, of liquidation. I mean, people that worked on Enron and all these other things, and and they said that they're probably paying more than a million dollars a day just for this team. So it's like, if they're paying a million dollars a day, and this goes on for five years, which the Cryptopia thing hasn't ended, it could be more than five years. If this goes on for five years, how much money is left for you, the retail trader? All right. So on that sad note, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, but definitely nice conversation. Thank you, uh, KJ4EasyJ, for uh, jumping in, sharing your thoughts. Very appreciated. I'm sure uh, some of us in here, some of us uh, watching the show on a replay will learn something important. And if we can maybe help save one person, it will be worth it. Um, Thank you for everyone who participated today. Mark, Rhett, Daniel, Keys, Chris, uh, KJ, Patrick, Dogman, probably forgetting some, Zach. Uh, thanks for making the show uh, interesting and what it is. Thank you for everyone who joined us uh, live on Discord. Thanks for everyone who's watching on other social media. And uh, yeah, it's been a good show and looking forward to doing it all over again next week. Happy Thanksgiving for all the Americans out there. Uh, hopefully you guys get to take a bit of time off at the end of the week. Um, and uh, yeah, enjoy some good times with family and friends. That's really what is the most important thing. All right. So that's going to be it for us today. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Next week and let's go EOS. Go Eos, boys. Go Eos.